0: Well, uh, turning into your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, um, one of the things as I was, uh, you know, we, we had planned on Romans to start a little earlier than what we ended up starting it at. We just, you know, we just we are led by the Lord, you know, and so um, there's some message series that we have planned that we said, no, nah, I don't think that's the Lord right now. So, um, but, you know, we also are led of how long these, these different uh, series go. And so the last one went a little longer than what we had originally planned, and so I wasn't planning really on doing this type of message on a Father's Day. We're going to be talking about sin today. Everybody say, yeah! <laughs> so, uh, but we are, and, but I was thinking about it between services in, and how good of a dad we actually have in Father God, and how even though what we're going to be talking about, because Paul here. And verse eighteen and on has to change his tone a little bit, and so he tells us of our guilt, how mankind is guilty of their sin, and uh, he lays a, a picture that's not pretty, but he does it in a way that because a lot of people will use these verses in condemnation, right, and um, a lot of people use it and uh, and use it to condemn people. And, you know, be honest with you, sin does condemn. But that's not our job. Our job is not to condemn. Our job is always to focus on who? Jesus. And that's what really Paul's doing here. He's saying, he's saying that we are guilty. And the reason he's going here is because we need to know how bad we really are. In order to really receive the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, receive his righteousness, we've got to really realize that we are screwed up. Turn to your neighbor and say you are screwed up. If you don't like the word screwed up, you can tell them mess up. Whatever you want to use, but and so um, we are really messed up, and we need Jesus. And uh, and so Paul really goes in here in verse eighteen, and he takes a sharp corner here, and uh, because you know before last week, you know we're laying out the theme. The theme of Romans is that the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation, and we. Receive righteousness, not by our works, but by faith. And that is all about Romans, but here he takes a little different turn. Because he needs to show us our need for a Savior. Now remember last week, we started out Romans chapter 1. And I want, want to mention this again, I mean a couple of weeks ago, that um, how he starts it out that I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and how important that is. And if you weren't here, make sure you go back and listen to the messages if you haven't. But bondservant, it was the same, that same word, that same word means slave, or just servant, but it, bondservant has a little different tone to it, because it goes back into the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, they would have a rule, a ruling, or a law concerning slaves. Now back then, slaves were a lot different than what we have here in America. Here in America, it was evil. It was not of God at all. Uh, the slave says, how can slavery be good? Because back then, we didn't have what we have today. We didn't have government. We didn't have a lot of uh, the finances. We didn't have a lot of the help that they we have today. Back then, you would sell yourself into slavery. That's how you became a slave. Now, the, Even back in, in, as early in the 1800s, that, that, that also happened too. But mostly, back, back in the Old Testament, in fact, almost all the time, unless a, uh, uh, you were taken over by another country, you sold yourself into slavery. So God created laws on how to handle slaves. So if a person sold himself into slavery, um, he was a slave for only six years. In fact, he was actually better off probably as a slave. That's why they did that. He sold his whole family into slavery. But they could only be slaves for six years. And on the seventh year, they were released. They were not only released, they would actually have an inheritance from the master. So the master would give of his flock, of his cattle, of his of food, of, of everything that he had. He would give a portion of that to that slave so that slave can go on and have it better off than when he came. Um, but there's another rule that was kind of weird. A rule about slaves that did not want to leave their master after six years. And you say, well, how can somebody not want to leave their master? Well, because... The master was that good to the slave. And even though that slave would receive an inheritance and and to move on, that slave wouldn't have it better off. He has it really good. He became or she became part of the family. And so Paul uses that same kind of concept of a bondservant here in Romans and saying, I have chosen to become a slave of Jesus Christ. And that means that I desire to do whatever he wants me to do. I want to. No matter what he says, I want to do it. I'm. I'm under him, and I am better off with whatever what he tells me to do. I will follow him. I am better off than if I was off by myself. And that is the same way. That's how we really should come to Christ. Not coming to Christ thinking that I can have all what I want. No, come to Christ that I am under your control, Father God. Whatever you say, goes. You tell me how high, I'm going to jump it. You You tell me where to go, I'm going to go. That is the whole heart of Paul. So when we look at Romans, we have to see Romans as that, because there's some things that you may not like. There's some things you may, in the Bible, disagree with. There's some things I don't like in the Bible. I'm going to be honest with you. I wish gluttony was not a sin. (laughs) Because I may do that today. Don't look at me like that. So, I mean, there's some things we don't like in the Bible, but God didn't ask your opinion. Or your agreement. He wrote it. And He said it. Why? Because there's a reason for it. God does everything for a reason. He doesn't does things because it's his opinion. See, a lot of people in this day think that the Bible is an opinionated, but it's opinion. You can't. It's truth. It's not opinion. It's truth. And so, as a bond servant, as a slave to Jesus, whatever He says goes, because I know it is for my best interest. Somebody asked me, he said, "Sean, why does God hate sin so much?" And uh, and I said, "Well, because what it, sin does to you." It takes you away from Him. It corrupts you. It kills, steals, and destroys. And and God doesn't like that. And so that's why God hates sin. And so here Paul begins in verse 18. And let's go ahead and read the whole whole rest of the chapter here in verse 18. And he begins to, to do something here. Begins to show us the need for salvation, which is very important. He shows us, even from the beginning of time, what's happening. And I hope at the end of this, you guys are gonna, you're guys going to understand what sin does to us. But you're going to understand what people who don't know the Lord are going through right now. And why they need us to help them, tell them about the gospel. So let's look at verse 18 real quickly. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all The uh, the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, wickedness, uh, since that since what may be known about God's plan to them, because God has made it plain to them. You know the thing. The whole thing about what Paul is doing here. The first step is to show the guilt before God and show the need for a savior. And so he addresses several things here. But he insists this one thing here in these two verses. That man from the very beginning knew about God. They knew about God. They had an instinctive knowledge about God. But, but starts out insisting that every person has that instinctive knowledge of God's wrath deep inside of them about their sin. Every one of us, before you were even told that what sin is sin, before you knew things were wrong by God, you knew things were wrong. You had something inside of you saying that giving you this guilt. Your conscious inside proves this, that you were guilty. That when you did something wrong, you knew it was wrong, you knew it was sin, there was condemnation and there was guilt. And what Paul is saying is happening here, that humankind is suppressing that knowledge. That humankind is suppressing, suppressing guilt and condemnation and putting it aside. Why, why do we do that? Because no one likes to feel guilty. How many of you like to feel guilty and condemned? Nobody likes you. Why? Because we were not created to feel guilty or condemned. None of us were, are created that way. So what do we do? We suppress it. We don't want to do it. This is what we did before we were saved, and sometimes we do it while we are Christians. We suppress the guilt, and we push it down, even though we know what is right or wrong, but, our, but we suppress it. So humanity continues to suppress the truth and the guilt about their wickedness. So Paul explains this, that the wrath of God is against this unrelenting stubbornness of failing to recognize and honor God. And so his logic about all this is that the knowledge of God has been revealed from the very beginning. Everybody, well, Every one of us knows about God. We know about it through creation. We know that there is a God, but we suppress it. We suppress it when we sin. We suppress it when we go outside and look around. We suppress the knowledge of God. Instead of choosing godliness, we choose wickedness and suppress the truth of God. Because we don't like the skill. And what happens is it begins to harden our heart. And that's God's charge against humanity here. And so that's what what we need to learn not to do. And so a lot of the world does this, we do this as Christians. And what happens to us as Christians when we do that, we don't repent of sin. We continue to allow sin. When you suppress the guilt enough, guess what happens? You become dead to it. You don't hear it anymore. Right? Right? and so sin becomes rampant even in a believer's life. Listen, you know, you may you may be a believer and believe in believing God, but what happens with sin in a believer's life, it starts to even harden your heart, and I've seen this happen over and over again with people that they don't listen to that because it's good to listen to the condemnation in the sense, not to dwell on it, but to run to God and cry out to God. See, this world doesn't know to cry out to God. So they suppress the guilt that's inside of them let's move on he said let's go on." verse 21 for although they knew god they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise they became fools verse 23 and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations. For unnatural ones, in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. Verse twenty nine. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They were full with, of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. How many of you guys have ever done any of these? They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Make sure you tell your kids about this one. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these these very things, but also prove of those who practice them. Okay, so he makes a list here that all of us, he's talking about you. In some way, you and I have done these things. In some way. And so, basically, he really says that the world is guilty of their sin. He says, mankind understood. Human history began with people knowing God. God revealed Himself personally and throughout all creation. And he says, they knew themselves. They they knew God. They knew about God. Humans knew that there was an eternal God that had power to create, power to transform, power to become. And they knew about Him. They knew the facts about God. And he says, the facts about God are not hidden in in creation. You can walk outside. And he says, you can know that there is a God. But verse 20, he says, they are clearly seen. So men knew the truth about God, but they did not allow the truth to work in their lives. They suppressed it in order that they might live their own lives and not be convicted by the truth of God. So that conviction about sin is the truth of God. But they suppressed it. So men knew about that truth. They were convinced that that was in there. Every single one of us knew that. You knew you did wrong. You knew right from wrong. But we didn't allow the truth of God to work in our lives. So it entered us into a phase of rebellion. Verses 21 through 23 talks about that. We knew God. This is very clear, but they did not want to know God or to honor Him or to praise Him. So they were using, willing to use the gifts of God that we have in this world, but they're not willing to worship and praise God for His gifts. And so the result of this, God gave them over. That means God allowed them to continue in their sin. You know, God didn't make it happen. It, he just allowed. This is what sin does. Sin kills Sin destroys. So he allowed them to go over and have their mind emptied and a darkened heart. Because they held down God's truth, refusing to acknowledge God's glory. See, this is what sin does. It's a progression. Sin just starts out maybe as a little white lie. But it will increase, increase, increase. Sin starts out as maybe uh, this, oh, we messed up. Or I, I watched something that I wasn't supposed to watch, but it will slowly increase and, and continue. So he says, he says that's what happened. They continue to do that. They can t- continue to suppress God. You and I have done it. If you're not a believer in here, you've done it. If you're a believer in here, you've done it before, but you found out about the gospel. The gospel is good news. And it continued to suppress that. And the thing about us, we were made by God. You know what? You are a created being. You're not a being that just happened or evolved. And you were created to worship God. And when we suppress the truth of God, because this is what sin does. This is what that guilt and condemnation does without the gospel of Christ. It takes you away from the Lord. It condemns. It puts you in a prison that is a constant cycle of you doing it over and over again. Without the gospel without realizing the righteousness of God that you have, it continues to do that over and over again. So guess what happens? Instead of worshiping God, guess what you start to worship? Men started to worship themselves. They will worship a false god and even manufacture false gods. And we've seen that throughout history. We see that Today. They exchanged, Paul said, glory for shame, incorruption for corruption, truth for lies. And notice the first first thing that they worship in verse twenty-three themselves. Humanism. We worship ourselves. And this is what fulfilled Satan's pur- purpose in, in Genesis chapter three, that you will be like a God. So when man doesn't go after God, he goes after himself. Because our hearts were darkened, we became fools. Verse 22, we exchanged glory for, of, of God for man-made images. And then we go into this self-indulgence. I mean, we're, we're in rebellion, then we go into the self-indulgence. Because if we're a God, we get to please ourselves. Look at verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts. And it goes on to sexual purity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. Who, who forever is praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural or sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with, uh, with other men and received in themselves self the due penalty for their error. So if man is their own God and then he can do whatever he pleases, it, he's going to fulfill his desires without fear of judgment. So we reach this climax of man's battle with God's truth and man exchanged God's truth for the lie. And the lie is this, that man is his own God and he should worship and serve himself and not the creator. And the result of the self-defecation was self-indulgence because God gave them over, gave them up, which means he allowed them to have what they wanted. See, listen, you and I can live ever how we want. God does not control you. Unless you give him control, you can make the choices you want, all you want. But how many understand every choice has a consequences? Right? It's either life or death. Your choice is life or death. We saw that with Joshua. God says, I, I put before you life or death. He told the nation of Israel. Blessing or cursing, oh, that you would choose life. So we have a choice. And so what Paul is saying here, that mankind has had a choice. But they decided to exchange things and decided to suppress the truth of God and became a God themselves. And Romans 26, 1, 26 says, Because of this, God gave them over to the shameful lust; Even their women exchanged natural. And it just continues to grow. And that's what sin does. Sin is perversion of God's truth. It's missing the mark. And it's saying, and you start out with one thing, but it'll continue and continue and continue. That's why this world is getting worse and worse. So listen, from Genesis, from Adam and Eve, Adam sinned, and in 2,000 years was Noah. 2,000 years Noah came, and guess what God did? Anybody tell me what God did with Noah? He destroyed the world with a flood, right? Sin had gotten so bad, that he had to destroy it. Because if he didn't, there was going to be no one left to bring on the bloodline of Christ. And all humanity would have been destroyed. Out of his mercy. You know, the flood wasn't judgment as much as it was mercy. So, 2,000 years it took for that, it to get that bad. Now, after Noah became the law. The law came. And the law was able to slow it down. Because what happened with the law was... It slowed things down. People knew that was happening and it, it put down rules and regulation. It didn't save people. No one could be saved. No one could live by the law. No one could be perfected by the law. But 2,000 years later, it wasn't as bad as it was with Noah. Jesus came and he brought hope and now we're 4,000 years into this. And, but it's, we see it getting worse and worse, right? Because sin is getting worse and worse. And that's what happens with sin. Sin can never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied in sin. It will keep wanting more and more and more and more. I, when I was a youth pastor, I would, I would speak on dating. And, uh, you know, it's always a topic with young people, you know? You know and, if, and a lot of times people will bring me their problems, and I, and I would always, always say this. They were always, always upset something happened, happened, and I said, well, did anybody die? No. Did anybody get pregnant? No. I said, I, as a youth pastor, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, we can handle everything else pretty well. You know, that's, that was the thing. And, uh, and so I would, I would talk to youth about, about, you know, temptation. And, you know, I said, God never, you know, never tempts you to do these things. God never has you. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be righteous. And you can be. And I'd give them, you know, hows twos to do that. But also I would tell them that it just starts with a tap on the hand. Right? How many guys ever dated somebody before? Raise your hand. Um, why are you raising your hand? You don't need to raise your hand. You're my daughter. You don't need. To... I don't know who this guy in Canada is, but anyway. Um, anyway, so it starts with a tap on the hand. Okay, Lisa and I. Let me give you a story. Can I tell you a story about Lisa and I? Can I? Can, will you promise not to t- tell her I told you this story? Okay. Our first date was at the Beach Boys concert. Yes, it was awesome. And uh, I had uh, these tickets, I had great tickets. And, um, and so we were going into the concert, and, and Lisa and I, I hardly knew her at all. I knew she was a believer and all that kind of stuff. I just really rededicated my life to the Lord. You know, I really saved Lisa out of the Myrie pit, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> And um, and here I am, we're going to the Beast Boys concert, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm being this gentleman and everything, just walking in and everything, and all of a sudden, she grabs my hand. Well, I mean, I, it sent chills up my spine. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You understand that, right? But you know what? That wasn't satisfied. That didn't satisfy. It was a temptation to even want more and more and more. You guys understand that, right? Don't look at me like that. It just never satisfies. That's, and it's not that the tap was wrong or holding hands was wrong at all. It is for you. But anything else, it's not wrong. But it just never satisfies. You know, you want to get closer and closer and closer. That's why marriage is good. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Don't you have something else to do on a Sunday morning? Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Sin never satisfies. So what happens is, Sin unrepented, Because this is what we do. We don't like the guilt and shame. And we don't understand the righteousness of God in Christ. That we can run to Jesus and he can satisfy all of our needs. Right? He's our shepherd. I shall not want. I have no want. I have no desires. And see, when I begin to run to him, even as as a believer, when I run to him, even in my sin, he doesn't condemn he doesn't throw a guilt here because people. This is what people use these verses in verse twenty six and twenty seven. They use it specifically for homosexuality. And listen, let me, I'm just going to just be very blunt here about that. Homosexuality is a sin. Loving people is not a sin, but the, the the act of sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is a sin. Okay, whether it's heterosexual sex or homosexual sex, it is sin. It's wrong. Am I clear on that? Okay, so I want to make sure myself clear. But people use this, and they only use this verses. They don't talk about their gossip, which is in the same verse. They don't, they don't talk about the disobeying of parents, which is in the same verse. I, I, I'm not pointing at you, I'm pointing at you. They don't, they don't talk about these other things, a slander. Come on, someone amen me a little bit more. That's sin. And so we use this to condemn, but the thing about it is... That's, that's not how we should use this verse. We should use these verses as showing people the gospel. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he can come in and sin is no match for him. Amen? You know, it's not my job to fix people and it's not your job to fix people. Your job is to show them Jesus. Because the only thing that can fix people... Listen, if you want to come to me and, my, and come to counseling in my office, I'm not going to fix you at all. I can only point you to the Word of God and point you to the Holy Spirit and Jesus Himself, and He's the only one who can fix you. And the only way you're gonna get fixed is bow your knees to Him. That is the only way. That is the only way. And so Paul is writing this, and he's saying, and he's talking about because we need to understand our necessity, our need for Jesus, that we have been sinners. That this world is, 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 is going to hell in a handbasket. It's going fast. How many guys have seen the last 10 years it getting worse and worse? It has. And this is what happens when, when we do this. Th- because we push down the thing that's inside of us that's saying, hey, you need a Savior. You need help. We push it down and we ignore it and we run away from the Lord. And when man begins to feel this tragic consequence of sin, you would think he would repent, but they don't. We think we're to seek God, but it's just the opposite. It says man did not even want to retain God in his knowledge, so he, God had to give him over to a depraved mind, which means a mind that cannot form right judgment. They abandon, they abandon themselves to sin. Men not only commit these sins and open defiance of God, but they encourage others, Paul says. I've seen this. We see this in, this in this world. We encourage in the world. We encourage sin. We applaud people who sin. And that's what, what Paul was saying is happening. There's nothing new under the sun. It happened then. It's happening now. And it's increasing. And Paul says the verdict. We are without excuse. Verse 20. So Paul's making this case against humanity before God. The progression of unrighteousness condemns mankind because it disqualifies everyone from attaining God's standard for righteousness. So this proves our guilt. But it also proves our need for Jesus. It proves that we need a Savior. We need Him. And here's the end result. Verse 32. Although they knew God's righteous decrees, that those who do such things deserve death, They not only continue to do the very things, but also approve of those who practice. And see, this is us. This has been us. Every one of us has been there. Every one of us has been this. And what Paul is saying here, we can't do it. And so we have to understand. Where we come from? We can't be pharisaical. Oh, those people do that over there. I don't do that. I tithe. I come to church. I, you can't be self-righteous. So your self-righteousness is a filthy rag. The only way we get this, the only way we get to God is through Jesus. Because of what He did, not because of what we did. We were terrible and we have such a good Father who ran after us. Who came after us with His Son. And His Son freely came and died on the cross for us. So the righteousness that he had would be on us and under our unrighteousness was on him was placed on him and the judgment of god was on jesus christ so we wouldn't have it that is the gospel of god and we need to know that and everybody who doesn't know that doesn't no jesus needs to have someone who knows about that who's a light who can tell them hey, there's better news than what you have. And You've been suppressing the guilt and the shame and everything else in there. You, it's time to give that up. And follow after God. This is God. Now, in, in Romans chapter 3, let me look, look there real quickly, verse 19. It says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world be held accountable to God. Therefore, No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. You can't be good enough. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who what? Believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need God. We couldn't do it of ourselves. We were sick. We were hurting. We were sinful. We were denying God just by walking outside and not worshiping Him. We couldn't go up to the... Standard, and God looked down on us and saw there was no way, and so He made a way through Jesus. See, in two days. Today's my prayer is that you would understand the wrath of God against mankind, against you, and that we would understand that because in order to understand, when we understand that that we were such sinners, we had no way then we can really enter into righteousness and walk in righteousness and be an example of righteousness to this whole world and be a light. See, what we're going to go through in the book of Romans, we have to go through this part and understand that all of us are screwed up, all of us are messed up, and there's no way to get out of it except through Jesus, by faith, by believing in Him. And when we begin to understand that, we begin to walk in it. That's why I've told you so many times that the only way out of your sin is not to focus on it, it's to focus on Jesus. The only way we're going to be holy is not by our ability. It's by trusting in His ability. By focusing on Him. When you sin, run to God and start worshiping Him. See, Sean, I, don't, I just don't feel right. Of course your flesh is not going to feel right. It's not about what you feel. It's about who He is and what God has provided for you. Now, I'm against sin. Don't get me wrong. Don't misquote me. I'm against sin. Sin can still kill, steal, and destroy. There are still consequences of sin, even in a believer's life. You go rob a bank, guess what's going to happen? You're going you're to get caught. Something's going to happen. You're going to go to jail. You want to mess around and, and, and do things that are out of, out of the sexual uh, 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 laws of God? then guess what? There's going to be consequences, right? Does God love you? You know, God doesn't stop loving you because you sin. He loves you. That never stops. But there's consequences. And as a believer, if I continue to sin and continue to focus on that and, and can you continue not to run to God, guess what happens? My heart's going to be hardened, and I've seen this happen, and I'm going to fall away. Right? I've seen this happen with, with believers. They fall away, and guess what they do? They try to bring people with them to do the same thing to help them feel good about themselves. Right? But there's a better way, right? Let's run to God. And guess what? That's why Paul starts in verse 1, I'm a bondservant. Because he realized there's something greater than him living his own life as his own God. There's something greater in Jesus Christ and walking in. And that's what we're going to find out in the book of Romans. How much freer that we're going to become, not free to sin, but free to live. Amen? Amen? Free to live in the power of the gospel of God. Free to live in the righteousness of God and the power of His righteousness. And to walk in that daily, every single day. And because of that, we're going to see more people come to the Lord. Because we're going to be out there loving them and showing them the gospel. Yeah, we can confront them, but it's not to confront to condemn. They already felt condemned. You're going to confront them so they can see there's a way out. Amen? And watch us, God, move as we we move into that and that you're going to experience God and that your heart is going to rest in His presence and you're going to see God. Now look at 1 John 3, 19, real quickly. He says this, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and that He knows everything. Amen? So, dear friends... If your hearts do not condemn condemn us, we have confidence before God. Amen. I tell you what, there's a place that we're going to be going to, even in the book of Romans this summer, that we're going to be able to walk freely. We're going to be able able to walk free from sin and His righteousness. We're not going to be bowing down to that. We're going to walk uh, according to His word, and we're going to reap the benefits of that Every single day. Amen? Because guilt and condemnation aren't of God. That is based off of sin and judgment from death of sin. And they're not of God. What is of God is His righteousness. And that's what He has planned for you and I. People say this sometimes. I've heard this. Especially, I grew up in the South. You hear it all, all the time in the South. And it says that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner any longer. If you look at righteousness correctly, you are holy. Come on. You are righteous. But, 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 but. There's no buts in that. There's no, but, but, Sean. You don't know what my husband did yesterday. He is not holy. (laughs) Why are you guys looking at each other like that? Okay. You, You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I just did. Yeah, I know. I may not know everything what you did. But I know Jesus. And when he said it was finished, it was finished. And when I gave my life to him, I gave it all. And there's sometimes I take it back and I'm foolish. And I do stupid things. But he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God is not scared of your sin. He's not scared of that. You, didn't even, you can't even, even make it up to God without Jesus. He gave it all, and this is how we are saved: we freely give our life to Him and accept what He did. That's salvation. It's not you got to do this and this and this and be right and be right. And it's all about works. That's a lot of all other religions are like that, but Christianity is not like that. He says, "Sean, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair." Well, I didn't write the rules. Remember, you don't have to agree with everything, but you have to do everything. God made a way through Jesus. Say, Sean, well, well, do 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 I have to change? No, it's not about do you have to change? Because you love God, you will change, right? It just comes with the program. Are you gonna be perfect? Probably not. But guess what? You are holy. You are righteous. You are a son and daughter of the king. That's what the righteousness of God gave us. Amen? And as we go through the book of Romans, we're gonna see more of that. And we're gonna be thankful because we realize, yeah. There is no way I could have done this. Only Jesus. Jesus is everything. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise.